From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. So four years ago, Bloomberg Tax conducted a survey of accounting firms and corporate tax units to get a sense of where the tax profession was in terms of advancing diversity and inclusion. Then this year, we conducted the survey again, and despite everything that's happened with the racial justice movement over the last four years, we found that not a whole lot has changed for representation and advancement of underrepresented groups. The tax profession still doesn't reflect the overall population of the country and heavily skews white and male. And while the survey found women now occupy more managerial roles than before, these are overwhelmingly white women. Women of color and even men of color are still largely left out. Even more surprising, respondents from accounting firms rated the importance of diversity and inclusion to their clients lower than they did four years ago. But in-house respondents, who actually are the accountant's clients, rated diversity and inclusion higher. Clearly, there's a disconnect here. And it's also clear that improving diversity and inclusion in the tax profession is going to require a much larger commitment. On today's episode, we're going to hear from two people who work on diversity and inclusion in the tax world, one in-house and one with a law firm. Katrina Welsh is the North America Director of Tax at Gordon Food Service, while Melinda Phelan is a partner at Baker & McKenzie. They spoke with Bloomberg Tax reporter David Hood about why, even when senior leaders are committed to creating more diverse and equitable environments, actually accomplishing this goal may take more time and better strategies. So so this this survey... One of the interesting findings is that very little has changed. Were you surprised by that, especially given the uh, the massive change that we've seen in the last four years? Or I'm thinking about uh, the Me Too movement and George Floyd and, you know, this sort of emphasis on diversity and inclusion by sort of these massive uh, social movements. Melinda, we'll go to you first. In terms of surprise, not really. Because I am a partner in big law, have been with my current firm for 25 of my 27 years. And not only have we not changed as we should in tax, we've not changed more broadly. We have similar percentages of women and people of color in the equity partner and leadership roles that we had 30 year, almost 30 years ago when I joined the firm, which I find troubling on many, many levels. So I was not surprised at all by the data. I think that one of the main reasons for tax specifically is that young students do not understand what tax really is, what a career in tax really looks like, such that they could have an interest in it. The students typically, I am the hiring partner for one of our offices as well, and I talk to the students a lot. and we realize pretty quickly that they all know about what litigation is or corporate is or transactional is, but they rarely, unless they've been a, have an accounting background or have someone in their family or in their um, circle of influence that has some kind of background in tax or, or, or the accounting, or a lot of people don't even understand that you can be a lawyer and be in tax, let alone, you know, the accounting piece. One thing we've done recently is we've started working with the Black Law Students Association to actually assign students to tax lawyers during the year as part of a mentoring sponsoring program so they can actually learn what tax lawyers do. And so I think in that regard, if if we can better educate the students about what a career in tax, whether on the legal or the accounting side, looks like, uh, we will get more interest from everyone, including women and people of color. 
Thank you. Uh, Katrina, what, what about you? Is there anything that uh, was it surprising to you that little has changed over the last four years? I would say yes and no. You know, yes, because while we've continued to make great strides, you know, that would be surprising, but no, because it just shows how much work we have yet to do. And to Melinda's point, when we keep doing the same things, however well-intentioned, we're going to get the same result, right? We need to just radically redefine how do we approach the market? How do we educate, inform? I think that awareness has increased and the interest in this space has increased, but I think the results still aren't quite there. And so how can we make people feel the sense of belonging? How can we engage them? How can we make them want to join in to this profession that we find exciting and fascinating? They don't know how fun tax is or how fun we are, or they would want to join us. Melinda, you, t- you, talked about, you talked about outreach in the pipeline, like going to places where, where there, is, there are diverse candidates that may not be um, educated on, you know, on this issue, like, or, or on tax anyway. Like, do you see that as a viable, like, strategy, or is there more that has to change within organizations other than just recruiting? Oh, I think there absolutely is a lot that has to change, David. The recruiting strategy is just a start because one thing you have to do is you have to have diverse people in tax before you can make them successful. So you've got to start somewhere. And we have historically seen we do not have the diverse talent, at least in big law, in tax that we'd like to have. Within organizations, once you get that talent or once you already have that talent, you have to make absolutely sure that you are giving that talent opportunity and that you because people tend to work with people or like to work with people that look like them that act like them that are you know people they can relate to as opposed to being more open-minded and our clients are demanding that we have more diverse teams just as a general proposition so it's it's good for business but more importantly i find that when you have diverse teams and you put them on projects and you bring people in that you otherwise would not bring in, you get a better outcome, you get a better um, result for the client, you get different perspectives. And so I think the organizations, what, what happens though is a lot of times the young, the young professionals do not see people like them in the partner roles, in the VP tax roles, in the C-suite. And so they get very discouraged. And if they do not have a sponsor, someone who is bringing them along, making sure they get the right projects, making sure they have the right opportunities, uh, advocating for them when they're not in the room, when it's time for evaluations or promotion or sticking up for them, uh, most of the time they leave. Uh, Katrina, for, for, for you, since you, you, you're in house tax, you know, director, like at a, a company, um, you know, within, within your, your peers is, is, is the amount of work or the, you know, the effort involved, has it been underestimated? I think so. I mean, how, like how much effort is it? We're trying to move the needle. We want different results, but how much effort is it going to take? And I think a lot of people, I think it is just goes back to increasing awareness and education and informing people. I think really do believe that most people are well-intentioned. Some people may think, I don't know what this is. I'm scared. What if I say the wrong thing? How do I go about this? You know, will I be successful in this? And then they think about too, well, you know, we've seen the study shows that white females have now had success, but you know, what about white males before? White males or females now may think, oh, well, if we're all this diverse talent, where does that leave me? But it really is about kind of reassuring people. We're not trying to say we're displacing certain people. We're being inclusive. We're building a bigger table. So that's just let's let's widen our net. Let's you know broaden our nets. 
let's you invite more people in and then once they get in let's recruit them let's keep re-recruiting our people retention is a big deal like melinda talked about and i think yeah i think people have the ones who have tried it realize wow this is harder than i thought you know this is this is more of a journey this is not something i'm gonna be able to change in a day one of the things that I've I've been thinking about over you know the last few years is you know for me personally has been like you know when when you're doing recruiting or retention or promoting of people of color like what how difficult is the the line between tokenism and like promoting like for example you know for me like David we want to promote you be because certainly you're qualified, but you're also Hispanic. Um, you know, like, is there, is there, is that a fine needle to thread between, again, like tokenism and, you know, actually promoting diversity and inclusion um, principles? Yeah, I think we don't want tokenism, right? We would just want it to be inclusive. And to Melinda's point, we want to, we want to hire, we want to hire a diverse pool of candidates. Well, they need, we need to be candidates. So, we, you know, like if I'm in tax, I can only hire tax people. So I need to hire or people that at least want to be tax people or that want to, want to try tax, right? Some interest level, some, some willingness to do the work. We need that. And then I think to the other point, we keep, we need to give them the tools to be successful, create an environment where they want to come in, they want to engage, but give them the tools to be successful with the training, the visibility, the opportunities, so that you are promoting based on the best, the best sustained performance, right? Give them the chance to do that, them being me, you, Melinda, all of us. And then I think you really are just promoting the best person. But you're when you're promoting the best person or the best people, depending on how many openings you have, really cast a wide net, right? Look broadly. Melinda, do you see do you see that as happening? Like, do you see firms doing that? Do you see companies widening the net like Katrina proposed, I suppose? <laughs> well, it's a tough question because um, I only see one company, that being my own. And, and of course, see, but I do do it. But I do work with a lot of companies as clients. And so I, I see their teams. I don't think it's happening uh, the way that it should if we if we do what i'm talking about and we bring people along and we actively sponsor them and we make sure that they are given the right opportunities when it comes time for promotion there should be no question of qualification and i think what's happening is that a lot of times um people that are different get left behind it's not intentional the vast majority of the time it's people being people and looking at themselves and looking at who they can easily connect with and maybe forgetting to bring others to the table so that they may not have the right experience. Then it comes time for promotion and, oh, well, you know, this person over here who had all the opportunity has more experience than the person who doesn't. And so it's got to be a comprehensive, you know, pull it pulling together because right now, you know, it's, it's getting harder and harder to get promoted in big law firms and big accounting firms within companies. I think uh, similarly, standards are high, expectations are high. And, you know, I, I think so we, we, we've got to bring them up and make sure they're qualified when they get there, which is putting, in my view, responsibility on the people that are more senior to say, hey, it is your responsibility to make sure that this person and that person get the right opportunities, get the right training. And hey, if they don't, you know, their success is your success and putting some accountability down, which is something we in service organizations um, on my side of the table have not been as, as good at doing. Um, t- taking a step back, do leaders at, you know, accounting firms, especially, you know, we're talking about tax and certainly law, but and, and at companies, do leaders want this change? 
do, and I'm talking about, you know, C-suite and boardrooms, like, do they actually want this change? Yeah, so I think yes. I mean, just speaking for my own company, you know, Gordon Food Service, I mean, that's certainly one of our company-wide initiatives. I was at a meeting earlier with a, one of our board members and our CEO, and they were talking about that was one of the one of the high-level topics that we talked about. And, you know, not only because it's the right thing to do, but as Melinda said, it makes good business sense. I mean, as I've talked about, it makes good business sense to have engaged employees, but you do have, you know, diversity of thought. You have a richer discussion. You have a richer pool of ideas to draw from when you're solving these, you know, complex problems at these global companies that we're facing just with our business and business changing and the environment changing. So I think that, you know, they certainly should want it. I think from the companies that I've been fortunate enough to work with and for, they do want it and it is a priority. I think the tone has to start at the top for it to be able to be a priority embraced by all the leaders at the different levels throughout the organization. Linda, what about what about you? Um, do you see leaders, again, both in the C-suite and in boardrooms as wanting DEI change? And not, not just offering lip service, but also, but really want this sort of change? You know, I, I think it depends. Certainly like Katrina, I've been fortunate enough to work in an organization where diversity is very, very important to our leadership, starting with the top, our chairman um, and our executive leadership team and many, many, many leaders around the world. And, you know, Baker McKenzie being such a global organization is is diverse, um, is very diverse to begin with. But we, like everyone else, still have a lot of work to do. But I know our leadership teams are committed. I think there, if if all our leadership teams were as committed as we'd like them to be in terms of boards and C-suites and law firms and accounting firms, I think our numbers would be vastly different than they are right now, right? So, you know, the proof is in the pudding in my view. And unless you, we actually make some progress, then how committed, you know, are leaders generally? Because if if everyone was as committed as, as we would like to think they are, or maybe they sometimes say they are, then they would have more diverse people that are uh, promoted and successful and leading their organization. So, you know, if in four years, David, the numbers that we saw in this recent study are significantly improved, then I think we have a, you know, I think we know our answer. If not, then I think we also know our answer. That's sort of what what I've been what I've been thinking about, right? Because, uh, you know, from from my point of view and the spheres that I'm in, I see great pushes for it you know i mean me personally like i was like yes i would love to see more <laughs> hispanics latinos you know in upper ranks and yes doing mentorships and you know uh recruiting at 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 uh at schools where you know like like my school my alma mater which has uh you know 46 percent hispanic latino population in california like sure like i would like that but you know when i talk to students like they're not being engaged with they're not you know, that's I, I don't see the recruiting tables, you know, at, at their schools, you know. But going going back to the to, to the survey, um, one of the more interesting points is that respondents from accounting firms um, ranked the importance of diversity and inclusion significantly lower than respondents um, within corporate finance departments. That seems that seemed a little bit odd to me because especially given how the latter are often clients of the former um why is there this disconnect well not being in the big four and but having worked with them uh, on on client projects for years and having lots of friends that are in those organizations um my best guess is 
that they rank that less important because they are already embedded in so many clients and they get a lot of work from multinational clients um, without having to do very much to get it sometimes. They they are auditors, they are um, they 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 just don't they're go to they're go to service providers and unless and until the clients make them feel better and, and think that it's think that DNI is more important. My guess is, you know, they're just focused on, you know, getting talent to to do the work because they have so much work. At the end of the day, the thing that surprised me the most about the data that we looked at um, from your from your um, update, David, was that the respondents, the client respondents said, you know, what action would you be willing to take to increase IND, you know, with the with the folks you work with? And one of the things, you know, was down there was like, you know, actually choose not to give work to firms that do not meet our DNI targets. And that was a very low score. They were willing to partner with these providers on IND initiatives. They were willing to, you know, um, encourage it. But when, but the buck stops with who gets the work. And so, but they were not willing and they, the percentage was quite low to, to, to actually take work if, if companies, you know, service providers didn't meet those diversity objectives. And I found that to be incredibly surprising uh, because that's how, difference will come is if the clients actually say, you know what, we're just not going to give the service providers work that don't bring the right teams to the table, because that's where that's what, you know, that's what we all need. We want to work with companies. And so just like they say, you have to give certain discounts or you have to, you know, bill your time in certain increments or requirements matter. And so if we could get if, if clients were more demanding of, of, of their service providers and the accounting firms, my guess is that that number would change dramatically and quickly. Uh, Katrina, what, what, what about you from a corporate tax uh, perspective? Yeah, so maybe, you know, I, just, I would have to only guess that the accounting firm side, you know, is the juxtaposition is, you know, that we're a business, they're a business, you know, we are their business, maybe they're focused on the bottom line appropriately, but I think too, you have to really force make it make it part of someone's metrics. For example, Melinda talked about sponsorship before, you know, advocating for someone when they're not in the room, really making them even able to have these opportunities. I think you know all of us. I think as leaders should be responsible for our team members' successes, and if, including your diverse team members. You know, all all your team members. I think that you know making that accountability. I think will continue to help us move the needle forward. And and I say the same with the accounting firms. If the clients demand it, you know, we won't we won't choose you if you don't you know meet our requirements, which some are, but like Melinda said, not you know only a few so far. That was Katrina Welsh, the North America Director of Tax at Gordon Food Service, and Melinda Phelan, a partner at Baker and McKenzie, speaking with Bloomberg Tax Reporter David Hood. And that's it for today's Talking Tax. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. And we had very special help today from Canna Marie Green. Thanks so much, Canna Marie. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. The number of words in the tax code is estimated to be 1 million about the same length as the entire Harry Potter series. Add in IRS regs, rev rulings, and case law, and it can be a lot. We all need a little help to sort it out. Each week on the Tax Girl podcast, I talk to the best in the business. And these aren't crazy technical dives. 
They are interesting and easy to digest looks at topics that matter to you. It's all that you need to stay ahead on the most important tax issues. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on taxgirl.com because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't be.